Hello there, and welcome to another episode of the Boys of Mandalore podcast, where we take a look at the stories and characters, all sorts of things from the Star Wars galaxy far, far away. My name's Ian, I am your host, and today I'm joined by both Parker and Mike as we delve into a discussion around the final entry of George Lucas's prequel trilogy, Star Wars Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith. Parker, Mike, how are you guys? Do it. <laughs> Feeling good. I love this movie. This is like my favorite prequel. I think it's a lot of people's favorite prequel, though. There's a lot of stuff to go th- go over. You get lightsaber battles. You get lava. You get Vader. How dare you? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So before we jump into the film itself, um, I guess just wanted to start out and let you guys know we're going to actually do Revenge of the Sith in kind of a two-part format, just because we have so much to say. Uh, I feel like there's so much detail around the film. So we will be releasing one half of this when you're listening, obviously. And then next week we will jump in and conclude episode three. Um, Also, moving forward, I guess we had discussed on doing a bi-weekly release. Um, Just give us some time to digest a lot of the material and make sure that we're providing the best podcast for you guys. Which might be interesting, which might be interesting with this one, because I have done absolutely no research. I'm going purely off memory of this film. I didn't even watch the film. So this might get interesting. And I need extra time to deal with my child demons. So thank you. (laughs) I hear you there, my friend. (laughs) I love them, but they're demons. And I did watch this movie. I did my homework, Parker. Wait, well, I was, that's not entirely true because like, uh, uh, my friend Brad, uh, had it on this weekend when we were camping at strawberry. So I, I watched about 15% of it. So I guess what I said is not entirely true, but that's fair. That's all you need. You just need to like get refreshed on it, you know? Because how many times we've watched it? I mean, right, you guys right. are like me. I've watched this movie. I mean, I since the pandemic, I kind of watched it like three times already. Wow. <laughs> With the kids, because they like like Jonah, my youngest, loves to see Darth Vader become Darth Vader. He's like, I want to see how Anakin becomes evil. And this time, watching it with him, I went through a couple of like the Palpatine strategies. Mm. You know what I mean? Like... He was actually listening to all of, like, how Palpatine was deceiving. He's like, wait a minute. Are those stormtroopers? Are those the bad guys? Which we'll get into it in the podcast. But, like, you know, it's kind of confusing. Who is the bad guy? Who is the Empire? What's going on? Like, if you're not savvy on the story, this movie might be a little bit complicated. But right. But I loved explaining that to Jonah because he was... He's starting to get to that age where he's un- understand. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, so I mean, it's quite the jump. I mean, there's a lot of material that is covered in other avenues, especially the Clone Wars TV series. Um, For this film from Attack of the Clones, we have a three-year jump between films. So, and a lot happens during the Clone Wars. Uh, The actual final season that just released on Disney Plus bleeds right into the opening of this film which i thought was really cool the way they tied those in together to give the listeners i guess kind of a high level overview of what happened during the clone wars 
some of the biggest things that I think are obviously Anakin being assigned to Padawan. One of my favorite characters is Soka Tano. She learns a lot from Anakin and I think it really helps Anakin grow and mature as a character. We saw in Attack of the Clones, we talked about how he's kind of the whiny. His dialogue is a lot different. In this episode, Hayden Christensen, I think, just kills it. And the Clone Wars goes a long way to showcasing his growth as a character and his maturity. And I think Ahsoka's a big part of that. Yeah, I agree. Um, Well, yeah, it's just with people out not seeing the uh, Clone Wars, um, not only with Ahsoka, but you can also see like the like the relationship has been better between Obi-Wan and Anakin at the beginning of this film. Mm-hmm. Like <clears throat> they've gone through the clone wars and um, their late, their relationship is stronger because of it. And they, they seem to actually enjoy themselves, which I think it was a highlighted spot because at the beginning of our, our first or well episode two, when we started to talk about it, it was a typical relationship. And then the waters started to get ruffled a little bit per se. Yeah, definitely. And Obi-Wan also has a lot of growth in the Clone Wars. We learn a lot about his past history with Qui-Gon, how he had a relationship. Shout out Duchess of Satine, or Duchess Satine of Mandalore, I should say. I did not know that. Obi-Wan's getting it. Oh, yeah. He, there's a theory out there that he actually, that him and Satine have a kid together. Oh, that's not the Jedi code. Parker, I'm, I'm looking at you. I see you. I'm... He was young. I'm not getting into this. I it's not my area of expertise, especially with the Clone Wars. I mean, I've only like watched it once. I know that he was protecting the Duchess from insurgents or something like that. Um, and then basically, if she would have asked him to leave the Jedi Order, he would have. Yeah. Um, yeah. Kind of gives him Anakin level. Yeah. I know before we had said they're so different, but this kind of makes them equal. That's what I like about the Clone Wars is it fills in those blanks that you kind of see in the movie. Like you, like I, when you guys were talking about how it matures Anakin, I think back to the line where in Revenge of the Sith, where Obi-Wan mentions that he's wise and Mm -hmm. that he's very powerful. And I'm like, you don't see that in the second movie. You see Mm -hmm. whiny Anakin. So you can see that Lucas wanted to basically make Anakin that mature character, but it was really hard in this film to portray. But yeah, I love that about the Clone Wars because I did watch a YouTube video that kind of summed up the whole, you know, major storyline. And I wish that we would have gotten Ahsoka in this movie, like somehow. It is nice that, I mean, at the tail end of scene five, I believe she's framed for something that she doesn't do. The Jedi order banishes her, puts her on a a spoiler alert. Yeah, maybe. that's the newest season. Yeah, it's been out for a while. Yeah, <laughs> if you haven't seen Clone Wars, spoiler alert. <laughs> they go through an investigation. They welcome her back, and she says, "No." I mean, she kind of has the Qui Gon revelation where she sees the order is kind of imperfect, and mm. it kind it really damages Anakin, which and, it is. Oh yeah, for sure. She sees the truth. That's kind of one of the a big catalyst for this film as well. Definitely. I mean, it's what led to Dooku leaving. Um, Qui-Gon had thoughts about it as well. Well, I mean, yeah. Jumping kind of forward, I mean, even in Anakin's eyes, he just kind of just is like, 
sees the the, the council breaking their own rules. Mm-hmm. And he's like, what's so different between the Jedi and the Sith? So it's kind of where exactly a certain point of view, some would say. So mm-hmm. like I just I don't we don't have to answer this, but I'm thinking this in the back of my head. Did Anakin balance the force out? Okay, we'll get to that. Yeah, but I want to answer that question before. Yes, the end of and I have because... I have the answer to it. So let's start and let's start with that being said. Uh, with the Clone War, the Clone Wars, Ian. Let's uh, walk through the beginning of this film. Yeah, definitely. So we open. It's fantastic. It's a good twenty minutes of Star Wars right here. Oh, it's the Battle of Coruscant. It's just a massive, massive scale. I mean, we've never seen anything like a space battle of this magnitude in star Wars before. And the fact that it all happens in the upper atmosphere of Coruscant is just awesome. Can I just say something watching those Jedi fighters dive in with John Williams, just shredding that orchestra. I just have to say it. It made my nipples hard. (laughs) (laughs) John Williams. This is my favorite. This is my favorite John Williams score of the entire saga. I just remember being a kid and watching that scene and just being like mind blown because you get dog fights, you get vulture droids, you get like cruisers, which what are those cruisers called Parker? Which ones? The ones that are flying just a Jedi cruiser. Yeah. Yeah. It's just a Jedi fighter. I don't exactly. Oh no, no, no. I mean the, the cruiser, like the, what is it? The, Oh, the, the Star Destroyers? Yeah, the Star Destroyer. Basically like the first evolution of the Star Destroyers. Yeah, isn't it like a Venator? Uh, I forgot the name, but you, sure, yeah. But um, just watching those shoot each other, like the sound effects and everything, like I always turn that part up or I put in put on my gaming headset. I just love I just love how everything is silent. And then when they basically dip back into <laughs> the ship, it's just mm, chaos yeah you get those john williams drums and it's a perfect cut from from the crawl in my opinion like this is my number one crawl scene because it just transitions into that epic battle so sorry that's like that's the scene i watch over and over again i'm not gonna lie (laughs) no it's a good one and i think it's really cool because it showcases anakin saving obi-wan i mean obi-wan tells him a few times you know continue the mission i'm I'm done for basically. Yeah. Well, it shows also that uh, Anakin, like it shows his piloting skills and how he was such a good pilot. Yeah. Um, absolutely. Yeah. Cause doesn't in new hope. He mentions that his father's like the best starfighter. Yeah. Like right. perfectly lined up. I mean, with, with him uh, taking off the, uh, the autopilot in the, the first film, destroying the star destroyer. And mm. he's, he's got a track record of being pretty good pilot, but uh Basically, this stage has been set. I mean, this battle has been uh, um, brought to Coruscant for a reason, and it's definitely a piece moved by Palpatine. It's the it's, right. It's the separatist, like basically last move to try. It's their their last stand, basically. Um, it also kind of the the Jedi are starting to gain traction of basically the the um the senator extending his power of like he he shouldn't be in office so they started to investigate 
and why that is the case. Basically, he should be removed for from office when his time is expired. But Palpatine makes this battle happen on Coruscant ground. This is his stage, and for multiple reasons. Ian, what were you going to say? I was going to say you bring up a really good point, because in The Crawl, it basically sets the stage and says... General Grievous, who this is the first time we see him in the films. You learn a lot about him through the Clone Wars, basically goes and kidnaps Palpatine. And he's holding him on this cruiser. Obviously, like you said, Palpatine's the one orchestrating everything. Exactly. And Anakin and Obi-Wan are on this mission to save the Chancellor. What a coincidence. Right? Who would have thought? And this is why Palpatine is such a boss. Absolutely. I just like can't stress that enough. I mean, it's a good move on his part because who would make themselves be kidnapped, right? Well, that's the thing is like when he started to get investigated by the council, he throws the wrench and basically they have to deal with this outside threat. Yeah. Couldn't be him. Could it? Now he uses it for two reasons to elude or to evade that basically it's, um, the Jedi from diving into his business and to also test Anakin, which will be his, hopefully his future apprentice. So yeah, Anakin and Obi-Wan end up landing on the ship where Grievous is holding Palpatine. There's tons of battle droids. It is such an awesome sequence when they first kind of crash land in the docking bay and Obi-Wan just jumps out of his Jedi starfighter and just, Guns blazing, just starts hacking down battle droids. I mean, we see R2-D2 manhandle two B2 battle droids on his own. R2-D2, just the ultimate boss. Burning him to a crisp. Did your theater cheer at that part? I don't remember seeing this film in theater for some reason. (laughs) I remember cheers coming out for R2 in my theater. I'm like, it it was pretty cool to see that. I'm not going to lie. Watching... Obi-Wan and Anakin kind of just cut through those droids like butter. It's just like, for me, it's everything that I wanted the Jedi Order to be in like the comic book, like playing with the action figure sense, like just per- perfect lightsaber battles, like just action. Like it was just a lot of fun. There were, there were a lot of additional pieces that were ended up being cut where it kind of goes back to what Parker had recently brought up where he talks about Anakin and Obi-Wan kind of jesting between one another, kind of telling jokes on each other um, while still just massacring these battle droids on their way to find Palpatine. (laughs) I loved the loose wire joke in this. (laughs) I'm not going to lie because it kind of gave some insight into, and what I'm referring to is when Obi-Wan is like, well, R2, we're supposed to be, I don't remember exactly. We're supposed to be going up. Yeah, not to Anakin's like, no loose wire jokes. And he's like, I didn't say anything. Like, implying that, like, this R2 unit is just kind of like the butt of Obi-Wan's jokes, which, I don't know, I love that stuff. Like, I watch that over and over again, and I'm like, it's just fun to see those little Obi-Wan doesn't respect droids at all, especially after the Clone Wars. Oh, yeah, true. He's probably got PTSD with droids. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. And this is the this is like the last battle. This is the end of the Clone Wars, right? Like you were saying, Parker. Right. Basically, it's kind of the last move of the, the Separatist in their, <clears throat> yeah, 
So it's it's basically the playing their last card. But it's also Palpatine going through his plan and um, eradicating the Separatist army, fulfilling his promise to the Senate um, that he's a good leader. That's why he's staying in office, because he's succeeding. He's He's being victorious over these battles, even though he's pulling the strings through everything. Everything. And I th- I find it interesting that we, Obi-Wan and Anakin, end up finding him and he's just sitting there helpless in his very eerily similar chair to what he has on the Death Star. Mm-hmm. And Anakin and Obi-Wan go down to chat with him and then in comes Dooku with a couple of B2s. And he says to Obi-Wan, you know, how can you handle him? He's a Sith Lord. And Obi-Wan for some reason says... Chancellor Palpatine, Sith Lords are our speciality. Is it? I mean, is yeah, is it? He he, he clearly gets his. He killed Maul, but he clearly gets his butt kicked by Dooku on this fight, and he gets his butt kicked again right here. I mean, Dooku, like we've said in our previous podcast, is just on a completely other. He's level. on a superiority. But let's let's keep in mind that this altercation was formulated by Sidious to the point where this is the test for Anakin. He wanted Obi-Wan dead. And basically what I come to think of it as Obi-Wan's death might set Anakin over the edge. And basically he would join the dark side that way. But I want to say this and maybe you shouldn't bleep this out, but basically I think Palpatine sees Dooku as a bastard. He doesn't care about Dooku. He is in it for the temp, basically the uh, the seduction of Anakin's power. The Jedi have this this grasp on him, and they want to hold on to him because he is very powerful. He's a great ally. Sidious wants the hell out of him because he wants to teach an apprentice that basically can overthrow him. That's that's what the Sith basically are all about. They they move on their teaching through the rule of two and the the apprentice is if they are strong enough, they kill the master and then they are the master. And basically that's how their power progress progresses as they teach their apprentices, they learn all they can and kill their masters. Mm-hmm. Sidious is is it's interesting because Sidious is looking for that apprentice and he thinks he sees it in Anakin. This, this, this fight right here in Sidious's eyes, he wants Dooku dead by the hand of Anakin. Absolutely. So through the fight, Anakin and Obi-Wan decide they're going to fight him together this time. Anakin's much more level-headed goes back to that maturity and which we saw. I hate this. I hate this freaking line. My powers have doubled since the last time we met Count. Good. Twice the pride, double the fall. I don't even know what that means, but I like it. It's just Dooku playing mind games. Like, Shut up. I love Dooku. Because he's pretentious. He's like... He's like the jock. He's like the Jedi jock, right? Isn't that what? Yeah. I th- yeah. I think there was like a part in a book or something. I think it was actually the uh, Labyrinth of Evil, where um, he Sidious had the conversation of uh, this this playing out, and they basically told Dooku to make it look like it was a challenge for Anakin, 
but when Dooku faces Anakin this time, Dooku's like basically like the the second film. He's like, oh, shit. Mm-hmm. like Absolutely. he's he's kicking my butt now, and then he just bop. There goes his hands. Do it, Dooku. So dispatches Obi Wan again, and then is one on one with Anakin. And like you said, Anakin right. has definitely improved in Dooku. You can tell he has this look on his face where he's like, oh man, I'm I'm outgunned. Anakin has some crazy move, ends up chopping off both of Dooku's hands, and then he's holding Dooku's lightsaber, kind of like scissors against his neck. And <laughs> freaking Palpatine is sitting there. He's like, kill him now. And drops the infamous, do it. Do it! Yeah, this, uh, <laughs> yeah that's, that's going to be in, in uh, Star Wars lore forever. But basically... I think in this book, Sidious tells Dooku that he would uh, he would save him if something were to happen, and that that wasn't the case, and that wasn't Sidious's plan at all. Anakin dispatched him, and that was part of the the sacrifice that Sidious had to make. Even though Dooku was a very powerful power, powerful ally, um, it unlocks the code to Anakin's turn to the dark side. And that's what that's what Sidious, especially when he's passed this test, Sidious has got him. He's trying to unlock these these uh, these basically unlock codes for his power and for it to be his because it will be his apprentice is what I'm alluding to. Yeah, absolutely. And he Obi Wan's pinned under a catwalk essentially, and their ship is going down for lack of a better term and Anakin goes to try and help him out. And what you had mentioned earlier, he, I almost think you bring up a really good point that if Anakin had left him there, that would have been his turn immediately right there. But he still has so much good in him and so much care for his master that he says, you know, his fate will be the same as ours. Right. And Duke or Palpatine is kind of like, Oh crap. I still have to turn him a little bit more. Exactly. But, like, the original plan was for Obi-Wan to die in that moment. just didn't happen that way. We can't lose Obi. <laughs> well, I guess you can't when you have the first three movies so far ahead. <laughs> true. Um, I guess to sum up the next few bits of action kind of quickly, uh, they end up being captured by Grievous and his droids, and then showdown occurs... And Grievous bails like a coward, leaving the three of these guys for dead, essentially. But Anakin's incredible piloting skills, again, allow him to land half of a ship. Yeah, and I think I think we kind of need to talk about Grievous because they, you don't really allude to his backstory. He's just this coughing cyborg that enters the scene. Um, but Grievous, I, like you were saying, talking about the Clone Wars, you can kind of see a little... Uh, snippets of him uh basically he was just uh in the history books for being killing hundreds of jedis during the conflict in the clone wars um he was basically developed by sidious and count dooku he was made to be a jedi killer killer but not only that be the general of the droid army um i think in the the labyrinth of evil book um his backstory it's kind of sad Right. So, well, that's that's the legend. Um, he was born on a planet called Kali, and Kali was like this um, 
um, was in constant war with these bug-like creatures. I forgot what they're called, but they were they were on his home planet, and they were just in constant war, like throughout his most of his previous life. Um, at the age of eight, like he was considered a great sniper, and as he evolved into to adulthood, his people considered him to be a demigod, which is kind of which is kind of cool. Um, the reason why they call him Grievous is because I think his wife died in that war and that these bug creatures basically cast her body into the ocean um, without him being able to recover. Uh, he prayed to the gods for the chance to say goodbye to her again, but of course, no answer. Um, and then he, you know, during his, his outrage, he took the title of General Grievous, the heartbroken. Um, basically, then he just declared... He declared uh, vengeance on this species. He drove them clear in the depths of space, and then he finally reached like the the territory of the Republic. And then the Jedi got involved. They aided this this bug species. I really need to know their name, but basically, they drove Grievous's army back to Kali. And for their punishment, they starved them and didn't give them like supplies um, for his punishment for like his campaign against almost eradicating the species because of his vengeance. Um, so in order to pay off his debts with his people, Grievous started to work for the separatist in the inner rim. And that's when Do- count Dooku found him. Um, and then basically he wanted to acquire him as a candidate for their new protocol droid, you know, cybernetic uh, system. Uh, as far as I'm aware, Dooku planted a bomb in his ship and it when he uh <clears throat> when he blew it up it's basically the you see the cybernetic monster that we see today Dooku picked up the pieces and created basically his lungs his heart and his brain and shoved it in in a robot yeah. um and yeah that kind of just gives you a backstory to just for him to be a weapon of the Sith and now he has this vengeance for Jedi trains him in the in the in the saber arts of you know I've been trained by Dark Count Dooku and he's killed a lot of Jedi yeah so he doesn't know how to use the force but I mean no. being trained to how to use a lightsaber with his cybernetic enhancements it's it's hard for those Jedi to keep up yeah Especially not masters. I mean, Obi Wan, he he knows what he's doing. You, typical Jedi Knights can't can't stack against him. And in the Clone Wars, we see, I believe it's Kit Fisto takes a whole barrage of troops, and he just wipes out the troops and goes toe to toe with Kit Fisto. I think Kit has to eventually leave, like retreat, but kind of gives you a nice little idea on how how much of a boss grievous is because we don't get anything besides right his name in the opening I, crawl i think i feel like that was kind of long but i i feel like he needed some kind of introduction because we don't get anything we just speculation mm-hmm. and he's a really cool character that's the thing he's a he's an awesome character and yeah. it's kind of sad like if that's i mean that's te- technically legends but if that was the case you know someone's past can change a person and that's what makes them who they are yeah um, so I guess once Anakin, Obi-Wan, and Palpatine are back on Coruscant, we see Palpatine and Anakin go meet with a bunch of senators. Obi-Wan 
gives Anakin his day in the sun. He says, I'm not brave enough for politics. And as Palpatine and everybody is leaving, we, Anakin and Padme have a little moment. Yeah. Well, this is this. I want to uh, point out that, that Obi-Wan also gives him basically a pat on the back, even though he's joking, he, he was the hero of that outcome. Um, he does give him recognition and respect. And that's something that Anakin definitely needs. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's something that, I mean, we feel he never got through exactly. episode two. But continue. Um, Padme and Anakin have a little moment. Somehow. Somehow nobody sees them just standing behind a giant pillar. And she breaks the news to him that she is pregnant. And it definitely catches him off guard. <laughs> it's like, oh, this is great like i am digging myself a hole here not only am i secretly married which nobody somehow finds out but now she's also gonna have a baby okay with with anakin presented this news he is only only uh given two options to proceed continue with the lie or renounce she was ready to basically she's like the queen is probably not going to let me serve when she finds out that I'm pregnant. Mm-hmm. Um, her career is basically done. Now Anakin's in this weird spot where he's just like, who this is a lot to take in. Um, but this is a happy moment. We're not going to worry about it right now. Yeah. We'll just, we got some months ahead of us before baby <laughs> pops out. Oh, Anakin. But then he begins having these dreams, very similar to the dreams that he had of Shmi in episode and two. This kind of gets his part. mind thinking. Yeah. It's not, it's not his mind thinking. I mean, he's just, he knows what this is. Mm-hmm. He knows this feeling. Like he has this dream. And when he has this dream, it's the exact same thing. And, and he and he knows that it's going to be, um, it's going to come true. As it might come true, like he, he with the other person that he loves. Exactly, he's already experienced loss with his mother, who he loved, and now it's Padme. It's through the same formula. So when he when his mother passed away in the second film in episode two, he promises uh, his mother. Uh, on her grave that he wouldn't fail again. Now he made another promise to his mother. And now he, at at this point where he walks away and she comes out and she's like, what was it? And I had another dream. It was like the ones that I had with my mother. She's like, and, and it was, it was about you. Um, <laughs> he, she basically knows this, this feeling and she asked about it and, you died during childbirth. And she knows that his dream basically came true. And the only thing she's worried about, of course, is the babies. Yeah. And he doesn't know. He didn't see the outcome. And he promised her, he promises her right there that he won't let these dreams come true. And Anakin is a man of his word. That sets him down a path. Right. That we see that comes... This This is a good point because everything 
previous to this film, things were going well other than he beheaded uh, Dooku uh, when he shouldn't have. So here's another unlock code and another thing that that Palpatine can essentially use uh, as another string to make Anakin his puppet. Yeah, absolutely. Palpatine, I have a point later that I kind of want to tie back to this. Okay. But moving forward, Anakin goes and he has a chat with Yoda in one of the meditation rooms in the Jedi Temple and just kind of says, hey, this is what I'm experiencing in very loose terms, obviously. He's not going to tell Yoda, hey, my wife, I have a dream that she dies in childbirth. Um, And Yoda has some really good words for him and some that... Bumper sticker words. (laughs) Yeah. Careful you must be when sensing the future, Anakin. The fear of loss is a path to the dark side. I won't let these visions come true, Master Yoda. Death is a natural part of life. Rejoice for those around you who transform into the Force. Mourn them do not. Miss them do not. Attachment leads to jealousy. The shadow of greed, that is. What must I do, Master Yoda? Train yourself to let go of everything you fear to lose. And I thought, oh my gosh, that's so similar to what Shmi tells Anakin in episode one. Oh, you can't accept the change. Um, well, do you know exactly what line you're referring to? That's just what popped into my head. Um, of what Shmi told him? Yes. She... Oh my gosh, I can't off the top of my head think of it. But to your point, she says something like, you can't change or you can't stop change more than you can stop. Stop the sun from from setting. setting. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, so that's what I meant. Um, Yeah, so this is, we jump to where Anakin is seeking guidance from the council and going to Yoda himself. And he can't even be honest about the fears that he's actually having because it's against the Jedi code. So he's stuck. He can't he can't communicate on with Yoda to a level that he actually needs, you know, guidance. So I guess I guess for Yoda, the dark side blinds things. He can't necessarily pick that up. Um he just tells him to let go whatever you're afraid to lose. Um Easier said than done. You know, mourn them, do not, miss them, do not is a cool bumper sticker, but it offers no solace to a person that's in this kind of situation. Well, and Yoda's not even, he's not even aware that Padme's pregnant, right? Like he's blinded by everything. So he, that's yeah. exactly what I'm saying is that Anakin can come up with these problems all he likes, but unless he reveals the truth, he, yeah. he no one can help him. It's a hard situation to be in. So with that said, I'm going to come back to this point because he's the master of the Jedi. Like he's the grand master of the Jedi. Okay. So Ian, so just hold on to that thought. We'll come back to it and then I'll, I'll bring it back up as soon as we get to a certain point. Okay. Um, so then we shift gears over to Anakin and Palpatine um, having a little meeting. Palpatine appoints Anakin to be his personal representative on the council and it overjoys Anakin. I mean, he thinks, geez, this is the way I'm getting on the council. I'll become a master finally. And when 
they bring it up to the council, Mace Windu says, yeah, you can be on the council, but we do not grant you the rank of master. And Anakin is pissed. What? <laughs> I love that interaction between Mace Windu and Anakin because he just puts him in his place. But you can tell, like you said, Anakin is just distraught by this. Like, So, well, yeah, let's... I want to back it up just a little bit because this this conversation with with uh, Palpatine, like it's a flawless peace move on Palpatine's part. Like um, when he appoints Anakin to basically be his representative, um, the council, like, where am I going to go with this? He, they know it's a bad move. Yeah, he he specifically put Anakin on the like. Anakin to cause discourse with like to create tension between the Jedi Council and even with Obi-Wan like he's granted a seat on the council the council but is denied mastery Um, and then the council asked Anakin to spy on the Chancellor which causes Anakin's faith in the Jedi Code to rapidly diminish and not only that but the fact that I that the council leaves Obi-Wan to break the news to Anakin that he's going to be their spy. Right. Well, he, he said that he's like, why didn't, why didn't we talk about this in the council chamber? He's like, this is not supposed to be on record. Yeah. And I think it was actually, you know, a good, good point because in, in Anakin's spot, when he's already enraged about not having a seat on the council, that could have flared up a whole thing. It's basically his, his mentor asking him to do this. And then it just shakes the foundations of the Jedi like they're not as good as they're led to believe because they're, they're doing this deceitfully, you know, it's against his friend. It's against the Jedi code. And now he's Anakin's starting to pick up the subtle nuances of the Jedi code breaking their own code. Yeah. So it, it starts to fall apart. Like whatever he's been taught to at this point, is starting to crumble and slip between his, his fingers. So when he's presented with an offer, he's just like, (laughs) and then we'll get to that. Yeah. And there's a deleted scene. I believe it's just after this part where Palpatine has Anakin in his office again. And he says, I've known you since you were a small boy. I've helped advise you over the years and you've fought in a lot of battles at the council thought were pointless and were lost, but you kind of saved the day. Um, And he says, it's upsetting to me that the council doesn't seem to fully appreciate your talents. And it's again, just his constant grooming of Anakin saying, they don't value you. You're more powerful than. Yeah. He says, he says that later. He says that later in the film. Yeah. And he says, I think they sense something in you that they fear that they can't control. Right. And we'll get to that point. But I think the after that scene is where Anakin meets Palpatine at the opera. Yeah. So Um, and this is where where Palpatine just picks it up. Like he just he knows, man. Heavy. And and Anakin's like, holy. Yeah. Like, I don't even know what to say. Because walk through that scene for me. Yeah. So to expand on that, he, we kind of open and Anakin is running in and he meets Palpatine in his box at the space opera. And he asks everybody to leave. So it's just a one-on-one conversation. And he talks about, you know, how the Jedi don't trust Anakin again. I mean, it's just a constant thing that he brings up. And 
he has this feeling, he kind of throws it out there to see if it sticks. Just right at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. The Jedi are going to overthrow me and take power. He's like, you must you must sense what I've come to expect. He's like, they, they plan to betray me. He's like, well, I know you, they don't trust you. He's like, Anakin, trust me, you know. Yeah. And then he goes, and then he's like, I, I, I must, I must be honest. I've, I've been feeling, you know, they have like, my faith has shaken them in a little bit. And he's like, why? Because they asked you to do something. Holy crap. I'm going this on memory. (laughs) Um, He's like, they asked you to do something that was dishonest. Wasn't it? And he's just like, Oh yeah. Oh, and all the points that he brings up are so valid and they just poke holes in Anakin's already thinning confidence of the Jedi Order. Because like you said, they're going against everything that they stand for. What's really interesting right now, and then Anakin starts to um, defend the Jedi Council. Um, because because now, now uh, Sidious starts to play his hand presenting the dark side to Anakin. He's in this 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 flotation between surface and su- total submersion. Um he's got this raft and Palpatine's just trying to pull it away from him. Um he's just like uh talking about the Sith and how they're not they're not so different the Sith and the Jedi mm-hmm. almost in every way including their quest for great power. Um have you heard of the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Um, what am I trying to say here? Because then Anakin goes, he's like, the, the Sith only rely on their passion to, to basically be selfish and gain power for themselves. And Palpatine's like, the Jedi don't. It's like, no, they're selfless. They only care about others. Basically, he's trying to defend what, you know, he he's brought up to believe. I mean, to this point, that's his life. That's his family. Exactly. So now, and now we get into... Did you ever hear the tragedy of Darth Plagueis the Wise? Which, at, like, in this context, like, so they know about the Sith. Like, obviously, the Sith are known. Like, is it how weird is it for Palpatine to bring this up to Anakin? Like, shouldn't you have known that he was a Sith Lord at that moment? Well, well, here's what's interesting because, you know, they've been talking for years on end, you know, they're, they're friends. You got to keep that in mind. They're friends. And then basically Palpatine has granted him this power that puts him on the council. Now, now Anakin's starting to get a taste of this power. Mm. Now, when he starts to reveal the dark side and Palpatine's origins with, which basically goes over Anakin's head. Um, Palpatine communicates all of this in a way that's just like, Hey, this is stuff I've, he presents something that Anakin needs in this story. And what is that? The, 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 the ability, the ability to bring back from people from death. Oh, you mean what Ray did? How... Cut <laughs> this out. That's some bullshit. <laughs> you shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Don't cut it out. Continue. Um, <laughs> God damn it, Mike. <coughs> um, I couldn't resist. Yeah. Spoiler alert. Um, shoot. I mean, it's kind of 
one of Palpatine's final hook, line, and sinkers. He's just kind of getting those wheels in motion in Anakin's mind of, oh man, the dark side can do this? The Jedi never told me that they had these different powers, really. And especially something that can stop death. So when he presents this story, when he tells this story to Anakin, it's basically, you know, giving him this origin story. Darth Plagueis was a dark lord of the Sith that was so powerful that the only thing he was afraid of was, of course, losing his power. Um, um, he even basically when he was telling this this story, he says he even could configure the midichlorians to create life and also stop people from dying. And then Anakin's brain goes click because he's having these dreams about Padme. He can save Padme for certain death. So, so now, now Anakin's focused on he's, he's into this story. He, he's starting to listen and, and actually intrigued. So he's like, is it possible to learn this power? The dark side of the force has, is a path made to, to many abilities. Some considered to be unnatural. And Yoda has told us in the past that death is a natural part of life. People become one with the force. The dark side, of course, does not abide by that. And Plagueis learned how to bring people back from death to prevent them from becoming one with the force. Disobeying right. the natural order. Dis- disobeying the disobeying midichlorian. Like it's it's basically when when he bring when stuff comes back, it's it's a fracture against nature. And and stuff always doesn't come back the same, but we can kind of get that into something else, especially when the later films, when Palpatine returns. Spoiler alert. Um, so when he he asked, is it possible to learn this power? Not from a Jedi. And then cut scene. That's the seed. That's the seed. I mean, he also he also waters you know, waters the doubt of the Jedi council in this conversation. And, and he knows like there's things about the force that the Jedi aren't telling him. He's being restricted. He's being held back. And speaking of the Jedi um, to move on, I guess from this space opera scene, we see that the Jedi have begun to really thin themselves out across the galaxy because the Clone Wars are still right. going on in That's so many point. different places. Um, the council decides that Obi-Wan is to follow up on intelligence that Grievous was spotted in the Utapau system. Um, Yoda goes himself to provide aid to the Wookiees on Kashyyyk. Um, Ki-Adi Mundi goes to Megito. Ayala Kura goes to Felucia. Plo Koon goes somewhere else. Mace Windu remains on Coruscant. Yes, they're basically trying to... They got the trade federation on the run they're attacking multiple multiple star systems and also being orchestrated by palpatine to spread these these guys out absolutely another well thought out (laughs) just this character is just so awesome like i just love every second of it he's so smart so cunning so dope so we see as obi-wan is about to leave to go to utapau and hopefully end the war, they think, you know, if we catch Grievous, the war is mm-hmm. going to be over. Right. It's the very last time that we see Anakin and Obi-Wan together as brothers. As Jedi. This is a huge spot. 
because yeah. this is this is basically where Obi Wan says goodbye to Anakin, and he gives him he gives him the validation that he's so often yearned for. He says, "I mean, you know, I am very proud of you. You've become." far greater Jedi than I could ever hope to be. Right. Anakin basically apologizes for his behavior. And when, when Obi-Wan finally acknowledges that he's proud of him, he offers a, and offers, you know, gives him approval that Anakin so desperately needed a long time ago. But these gears are already set in motion through Anakin. Yeah. And when he says goodbye to Obi-Wan, that's, that's it, man. That's, that's where these, that's that's this is where basically Obi-Wan sees where Anakin was his friend and now later when he's gone. So it's crazy. The foreshadowing, like just to kind of move it forward a little bit, I guess, into a new where Alec Guinness kind of reflects, and there's so many edits on YouTube mm-hmm. of his flashbacks to talking about Anakin. To Luke, yeah. This, this is just like nail. It, they nail it. Ewan McGregor and Hayden Christensen just nail this final goodbye. He was, this is where in, you know, the, the beginning of the original trilogy, he was a good friend. And that's where I thought he saw, that was his last, he was thinking of his last conversation right there. Yeah. So Obi-Wan ends up on Utapau where we see their locals are crazy. Like <laughs> the one guy who the, I don't remember if he's like the prime minister or the king or whatever, but he basically tells Obi-Wan Grievous is here. He's up on the 10th floor. So Obi-Wan thousands of battle droids and his teeth are all jaggedy. I can't believe I remember this right now. (laughs) I'm kind of impressed with myself. I'm not going to toot my own horn, but I'm I'm doing a pretty good job. (laughs) So Obi-Wan goes and he kind of sneaks around and starts spying on Grievous. And there's all the separatist leaders there as well. And mm-hmm. Obi-Wan with one of my favorite freaking moments, one of the best memes of all time. He jumps down. Hello there. And then we have General Kenobi. <laughs> you are a bold one. And then these Magna Guards that kind of protect Grievous because he's kind of cowardly. Obi-Wan just dispatches them and pull uses the force to pull them down. There was actually a part that the uh, stunt coordinator for the prequel trilogies, his name's Nick Gillard said that they had planned and orchestrated a incredible fight between Obi-Wan and these six Magna guards and production was too far behind so george lucas said we're gonna have to pull down part of the ceiling on him but this (laughs) nick gillard guy believes that it would have been the best lightsaber battle of the entire franchise watching obi-wan just go up against six of these i would want to see that (laughs) it would be amazing but we got a peek of them on the bridge right seeing them fight obi-wan and anakin they were pretty pretty hardcore like they held up against obi-wan yeah for a little bit so six of them that would have been badass it would have been sweet but at the same time it is kind of cool to see obi-wan just be like i don't have time for this and pull down part (laughs) of the ceiling on them yeah i did like that grievous lightsaber battle though yeah 
so that fight with Grievous, and you just kind of see him. Like, the windmills of death. <laughs> you fool! I've been chained in your Jedi arts by Count Dooku. And yeah, it just goes to show, like, being trained by Dooku is one thing, but then being, like, probably 90% droid and having those, the ability to just sit there and spin these lightsabers. I mean, if I saw that in RL, I would shit my pants. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And the fact that Obi-Wan, like, knocks off two of his hands is crazy. Which, Parker, you mentioned that in the past like Grievous, I mean, he would take down an ancient knight, right? Right. I mean, those, that's why he's, he's, yeah, he's got, uh, sorry, what were you going to say? I kind of cutting you off there. Oh no. So this was basically like one of Obi-Wan's hardest fights, right? Yeah. Um, I think, uh, Obi-Wan kind of underestimated Grievous as a whole, but Grievous is not to be taken lightly. I mean, he has a lightsaber collection for the Jedi he's killed, and basically he's chained, trained with Count Dooku, was an, was an excellent swordsman, which kind of gives uh, Obi-Wan uh, kind of revenge on Dooku because he trained, trained the special specimen, <clears throat> and then he ends up dispatching him. But, um, yeah, so it, it is a difficult fight for him, especially when he gets separated. <laughs> I don't know what it is about Obi-Wan, but he seems to lose his lightsaber more than f***ing Anakin does. When, especially in the second film, he's like, do not lose this. This weapon is your life. You know what? Eat your own words and hold on to your saber. <laughs> he does. Um, and then just in time, uh, Obi-Wan's battalion of clones show up, led by Commander Cody. And Grievous decides, you know what, I'm out of here. And he hops on his crazy little, I don't even know. It's like a one it's, wheel. Yeah, it's like the one wheel thing. And the the, the sound of it's hilarious. Like, <laughs> and then Obi-Wan jumps on the Veractal. Oh like, <laughs> that, the Komodo dragon, whatever the fart that is. <laughs> but... Yeah, so then a nice chase ensues. Um, Obi-Wan ends up on the same little speeder bike as Grievous. And then as they get to Grievous's ship, they go hand-to-hand combat. And yeah, and cool. then they get they get basically he pulls Grievous off the bike, which is it's just a gripe for me. I, I don't know why I do this. I don't even know why I put these on here, but I feel like I need to say something like this. The bike totally missed the ship, even though it's in the center of the platform. Goes off to the edge. Coincidence. It's just annoying. Anyway, continue. But then they start fighting, and Obi-Wan, like, at one point, pries apart the chest piece. And you can tell Grievous, Grievous is like, uh-uh, buddy, and just wails on him. How about that? kick that obi-wan does <laughs> kick to the thighs like Ooh! probably when you so like under uh he was just in the heat of the moment and fl- throw a kick to a metal shin is gonna feel <laughs> real good and then grievous kind of has obi-wan hanging off obi-wan hangs off of a lot of platforms have you guys noticed that i noticed a lot of things that i'm not gonna open <laughs> and then he ends up using the force gets his blaster 
shoots Grievous in the heart like 85 times, causing him to self-combust. Balls to say that blasters are uncivilized. So uncivilized. You guys like cut people in half. Well, that's what brings it back to the original films because he's like an elegant weapon for more more civilized age. So they brought that back. Yeah. Yeah. So Obi-Wan has effectively ended the Clone Wars, so we think, with this death. Um, He reports it back to Mace and the Council. And Mace Windu instructs Anakin to give this news to Palpatine himself. Does he? Does does he? Because the original, I think, if I remember right, they were before uh, Yoda went to Kashyyyk. Um, they had a conference, or even you know, FaceTime. You can call it. <laughs> <laughs> Basically, one of the masters said, as "Soon as General Grievous is dispatched, um, Palpatine should be relieved of office." of his of his power because the war has ended no that's a good point so it's he they don't know that grievous is dead they just know that obi-wan has made contact and knows that grievous is there good catch i was getting a little ahead of myself right so anakin is instructed to give the news of obi-wan's contact and that he knows that grievous is there and that the clones will attack so when i thought that mace windu knew that um count duke uh, not count dooku uh Grievous was dead and therefore Mace Windu was giving the news and while also relieving the power of the Senate. Yeah. Uh, so basically basically pulling here. his power from from being Chancellor because he's he's well his his time as chan- Chancellor has long been expired at this point. Yeah, they're like anxious to get him out. It's making him uneasy, especially when he has emergency when emergency powers given to you know f- through the Senate. Uh, yeah, he controls everything. So before they know of Obi Wan's death, and Mace Windu goes to relieve him of his power, um, Anakin shows up and informs Palpatine, and he continues to pour on the whole. They don't appreciate your talents in trying to tear Anakin away from the Council. Oh, you're right. Actually, not bad. Influences thinking. Um, this is a good. This okay. Yeah, my bad. Um, an important conversation. He eventually tells Anakin that they know his power will become too much to control. Let me help you control and know the subtleties of the Force that my mentor taught me. And he goes in and says, "In order to understand the great mystery, one must understand and study all aspects." Yeah, this is this is this is one of my favorite parts because Palpatine goes full send on his sell to the dark side. Yeah, full all in, freaking send, all um, in. So yeah, you're you're right at the beginning. So Anakin basically says that Obi Wan's made contact to Grievous, and uh, um, that he should be basically on that mission. And um, Palpatine alludes to the fact that uh, it. It it kind of it, he's like it it hurts me to see that they don't appreciate your talents. He's he's like they, and then Anakin tells him that uh, I feel like I'm being more excluded. And then they start to take a walk. <laughs> when they pass the threat threshold, he's like they they know that your power is going to be too too much to for them to control. Let me tell you the subtleties of the Force. 
And Anakin's like, how do you know the nature of the Force? And then what really catches Anakin was when Palpatine says, use my knowledge to save your wife. And Anakin's like, what did you say? I got to set this scene because it's so gold. Um, He's like, my mentor told me everything about the Force, even the nature of the dark side. It's like, you know the dark side. It's like, well, in order to in order to basically gain knowledge, you're not supposed to study one line of thought. You must must look at a larger view of the force. Um and then he's like and then he just sends it, dude. It's careful, young young Anakin. Only through me you can achieve a power greater than any Jedi. And now the whales are turning in Anakin's head. He's like, Whoa. Um it's like and then he just basically says use my knowledge to save your wife from certain death and then he goes he's like he's just like well not only the fact he's like he's like what did you say because now he knows that palpatine that he's married to padme and he knows his secret he he knows anakin's secret yeah so which the only person that knows at this point only only and then anakin puts it together boom ignites the lightsaber you're you're the sith lord so he's like don't be a pawn of use my knowledge don't be a pawn of the the jedi council you've been searching for a life that of uncertainty and basically he's he's like <laughs> you, you learn to use the darks yeah he's like are you going to kill me? He's like, I must, must certainly like to. He's like, oh, I know you would. And this is kind of weird from Ian, Ian Mc, what's his name? The Ian actor? McDermott. Ian McDermott. He's such a boss, dude. But he's like, I know you would. Um, <laughs> the pleasure in his voice. Yeah, he's just, yeah, he's just I like, oh, you would. He he's starting to sense Anakin's anger, but also he he put this card forth. Um. Because he thinks he knows the knowledge to save people from death, and then he disarms. You know, he uh, turns off his lightsaber. He's like, "I'm going to turn you into the Jedi Council," hoping to maybe get gain both aspects of turning him in, and also maybe he will reveal the knowledge on how to save Padme. And that's what he says. He's like, "You are very wise. Learn to use the dark side of the Force, and you will have the power to save Padme." So. He knows, mm-hmm. and Anakin's his mind is blown that he found this this Sith Emperor this whole time. He's been talking to him this whole time. Yeah, he, he's behind everything, but now he's he's on this balance beam of what to do. I mean, and his intuition immediately goes. He goes straight to Mace Windu and says, "Hey, I uh, I think I found the." Uh, it's the Sith Lord that we've been looking for for like 13 years. I like, I like, um, Lord. yeah, exactly. I love his response. A Sith Lord, like, what? Bruh. And Anakin basically says, you know what? He's super powerful. You're going to need my help. And Mace Windu again, just like, nope. He rejects him again. And he says, you know, you have clouded judgment. I sense a lot of fear in you. If what you said is true, then you would have gained my my trust. <laughs> I mean, it just 
highlights again for the final time, just this mistrust and this base. I mean, it's almost like emotional abuse that Mace Windu has against Anakin throughout all of the prequels. Well, he never wanted Anakin to be trained in the first place. He's almost got this resentment for Anakin. Yeah. Because he's more of like a rule follower than Qui-Gon was, right? Because Qui-Gon was the one who pushed with how old he was. and He kind of pushes the, the prophecy aside. Oh, yeah. He also said... Oh, yeah, that's right. He said that right. in, the, in the ship. And he mentions that. He's like, well, maybe the prophecy's wrong. Yeah. yeah. So the prophecy says... Go ahead. He orders Anakin to stay in the council chambers while... He, Kit Fisto, my guy, um, and a couple of other Jedi go to arrest Palps. Um, and there's this kind of chilling moment between Anakin and Padme where they're so separated. But And it kind of mirrors mirrors their their the scenes kind of mirror each other, if I remember right. Mm-hmm. Um, they can kind of sense what's going on. There's clearly a connection happening between them in the film. Yeah, right. you get that. I wondered watching it through this time, I feel like I picked up on little nuances. I wondered if Palpatine was kind of interfering and controlling them here as well. Yeah. um, I mean, with his power being, I don't know if I necessarily agree of what happened in the later films, but it's possible. I mean, maybe you might be right because if I'm not mistaken, you can hear, uh, Palpatine's voice in that that scene basically so and the music is very very similar to what it was when he was talking to Anakin back at the opera very very similar to that the Sidious is basically his theme well Anakin's Anakin's making a choice at this point yeah he's he understands what he should do but he also has the fear of what possibly could happen or is going to happen. The the vision that he had is playing in his mind at this point. Now he, he knows that Palpatine has this ability to potentially save his wife. He also has been in conflict with the code. And now he's deciding at this point, what is more important to him? So on a whim or on an act of faith, he goes. Yeah, he decides to go. And we cut to see these four Jedi waltz in there. Master Windu. I take it General Grievous has been destroyed then. I must say you're here sooner than expected. In the name of the Galactic Senate of the Republic, you're under arrest, Chancellor. Are you threatening me, Master Jedi? The Senate will decide your fate. I am the Senate. Not yet. It's treason, then. Didn't even answer the question. No. I mean, we see Palpatine just (laughs) bring his lightsaber down through his 
robes and just annihilates three Jedi. Like, it's not a good look for my dude Kit Fisto. He just gets so easily dispatched. Well, he he did better than the rest, the other two, and they were Jedi Masters. If you watch the film, like, he's like, where'd he go? And he just got (laughs) tagged, dude. He got tagged. And the the awesomest... Oh, this is a good point, because you you know when he was... uh, when he did the the jump in the air and did his little twisty move, that is actually a Sith power called Force Scream. Mm. Um, I forgot what the basically the thing. It's basically like giving him an ad- adrenaline pump. But <laughs> yeah, it's an awesome scream. It's so dope. Shows how freaking gnarly Sidious is. There's also a move that he does where he like lunges with both hands on his saber, holding it up kind of by his head that apparently people were tipped off in the force awakens that Ray does. And it kind of led a lot of people to speculate then that she was a palps Mm -hmm. and they were Um, right until things I'm not, we're not going there. I'm not going to get there eventually. Um, so Mace and Palpatine have a pretty good duel. They break the window and Mace window has Palpatine basically all but beaten. He's got him, kind of cowering up against the edge of his office, like his office on one side, Coruscant out on the other side with no window. So yeah, this is an interesting point because people kind of have two schools of thought on this, this scene. Um, One think that Palpatine sensed Anakin and disarmed himself or like made that situation happen. But it's also possible that Mace Windu, Windu is very powerful. He also like channels this this force ability called Vapad, which kind of harnesses the dark side. Like he can amplify his power. I don't know exactly how it works, but I just know that's what he can use. Um, and he's the only Jedi that can really, really use it. But he might have over overpowered him or Palpatine. I mean, the strings that he's pulled thus far doesn't surprise me that he's put himself in that situation. Yeah. So when Anakin arrives, I mean, you've got Mace Windu pointing a lightsaber at Palpatine and Palpatine seemingly just cowering, defenseless, until he busts out that force lightning. He's shooting those. Oh, no, you will die. And Mace Windu, I mean, Mace Windu is like, you can tell it's a struggle for him. Like, it shows the power. You know, at, at the very beginning, um, that fight with Dooku, Anakin, and Obi-Wan, um, when Anakin basically has that scissor chop on Dooku's neck, uh, um, basically, when he, when, he, when he finally cuts him off, cuts his head off, he, he frees Palpatine. And Palpatine says that he was too dangerous to be kept alive. Basically acknowledging that what he did was was right. Now, when we get when we get to the point where Mace Windu's got a saber to him, he tells Anakin he's too he's got control of the Senate and the courts. He's too dangerous to be kept alive. It kind of flips flips both perspectives and what he's doing is against the Jedi Code. Absolutely. And now Anakin's forced into this spot where, you know, he even tells Mace what to do is it's not the Jedi way. Yeah. And I think it's important to note here that Palpatine used so much 
power and that force lightning that it begins the deterioration of his body. Right. And Mace Windu's holding it off with a lot of effort, but Palpatine eventually becomes too weak, quote unquote, and he stops doing it. And that's when Anakin kind of confronts Mace Windu and says, he has to stand trial. Right. I need him. Exactly. So I think this is why I think Palpatine is pulling the strings here. He's, he's sacrificing a part of himself to possibly move a piece on the chessboard. He's, he's creating this force lightning, keeping Mace Windu back. He's seeing what's going on, presenting Anakin this choice. Cause he even says it when he's basically killing himself. He's like, you, you, I have the power to save the one you love. You must choose. And then he couldn't hold it. And now the, the scene plays out. He's got this, he's got the, the power of the, the Senate and the courts. He's too dangerous to be kept alive. And he's like, no, I need him. And Mace Windu raises his hand. He goes to just execute Palpatine and Anakin. I, I mean, it's probably second nature to him because of the power that he knows Palpatine has. He can help save Padme, just whips his lightsaber out, chops off Mace's wrist, and Palpatine... They didn't seem to kill him. He just meant to disable him. And that's when Palpatine finishes the job. Sheev just gets all sorts I mean, of... I mean, when he ignited his saber, there's no turning back now. When he... And then... Palpatine just let loose everything, everything that he's been waiting for, for years and planning and everything to this point. He, he now has Anakin. He's got him and he unleashes his, his force lightning and he's just. Just everything against like all his hate on Mace Windu. Yeah, he chucks him like miles across Coruscant, it looks like. Rest in peace, Mace. You see the he has that moment where he's like, ah Exactly. (laughs) He's just like took a lot out of him. (laughs) All this planning is just a huge weight off his shoulders, and now he's gotta solidify the deal with Anakin. He's got him in his grasp. And Anakin has just this instant remorse like he's like what have i done which is actually another tag back to the when he killed dooku he's like i I shouldn't have done that and then palpatine just continues to get buy-in from anakin and play those mind games and he says you're fulfilling your destiny which i thought was a nice nod to something that they explore in the clone wars when anakin on mortis actually sees himself becoming darth vader so he kind of knows that he's headed down this dark path. And I think when Palps says, you're fulfilling your destiny, Anakin's kind of like, oh, crap. Like, maybe this can't be avoided. But that he needs to learn the dark side to save Pat. This is where I have a big problem with date, with uh, destiny and fate. It's just where you cross the line. Is this, is, is this fate or is this destiny? If it's fate, then... <sighs> What's the point of these stories? Duel of the fates. If the force dictates basically who wins and who loses, we've always come back to this point. There's no leveling system in, in Jedi. This I think we should have like um 
we need to talk about that, but I'm getting sidetracked. But <sighs> when when Anakin makes this decision, it's basically solidified. It's done. He, there's no turning back from this point. No. Now, I mean, he's killed. He's killed essentially like the vice leader of the Jedi Council. Not right. firsthand, but I mean, basically, he just aided everything. Yeah, co-inspector. Fully bought in. No turning back, like you said. And oh, now to the point where he just lets go. He's just like, all right, um, what do we do now? This guy can help me save Padme. I've, I'm kind of at his mercy now. He doesn't have a choice at this point because obviously Palpatine is very strong. He knows that he needs him to save his only love, the only person he has left. That's what he says. He's like, mm -hmm. I will do whatever you ask. Just help me save Padme's life. I can't live without her. And I think it's interesting here how he said, he kind of backtracks on what he had said, where he's like, you know, only one person has oh, done right. this. Right, right, right. This is a good point. If we work together, I'm sure we can do it. Whereas before he basically told Anakin, I know this power. And now he's kind of like, look at the fine print though. My yeah, guy. exactly. I was going to say that you didn't read the fine print homie before you signed that document. Yeah. <laughs> but this is where he basically renames Anakin. And he says, from now on, you will be known as Darth Vader. Henceforth. You shall be known as Darth Vader. And I think Ian McDermott, like he's been waiting for this point to play the Emperor. Like, and he, he smashes it. Mm -hmm. He's so good. So dope. They made it like, they showed him to be pure evil. That's exact. That's what uh, Lucas was trying to always point out that Palpatine represented pure evil. And I think they did an awesome point on this, like his voice changed and then it subtly changes back into. Cause I just keep on thinking like this, like all that, all his dark side energy has been kept at bay, pulling the strings of these politics. And he's finally gotten to this point and he's just letting it go. And it just radiating off of him. Yeah. Changing his voice, changing his eyes, changing, I mean, apart from what happened to, for his scarring, but now he knights Anakin Skywalker, the, the one goal that he's been after this whole time that he met him or whatever. I mean, even previous, if he created him, like this is the point where he succeeded in his plan to gain an apprentice that he feels has the power to succeed him. Um, and he is ravishing in it. Yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, we're running pretty long right now. So I think this is a good stopping point, a kind of nice little cliffhanger for the listeners. Um, so yeah, we don't worry. We will be back and we will conclude Revenge of the Sith. There's so much more stuff to get to. Exactly. I think it's a good a good place to to kind of take a break because this is where Anakin essentially dies. Um 
he has been deemed and knighted the Sith Lord, and now to solidify his transition to the dark side, um, do what must be done, Lord Vader. Do not hesitate. Show them no mercy, and then you will have the full power of the dark side to save Padme. Pulling them strings. Chills. Alright, well, that will do it for us for this episode. Until next time, may the Force be with you. Do it. Peace! <laughs>